Welcome to Clintonville On Call, the podcast of interesting conversations with people who reside or work in the neighborhood of Clintonville, Ohio. I'm your host, Susan Gauntz. Today, I will be interviewing Sego Nishimura and Casey Cooper Fenske, owners of Satori Ramen Bar and Kintsugi Sushi Bar and Clintonville residents. So Sego and Casey, you own Satori Ramen Bar, a ramen restaurant located in the North Market, and Kintsugi Sushi Bar in Dublin Bridge Park. So tell us about them. So we are located inside of the North Market downtown. We started the uh, Satori Ramen Bar first back in uh, June 2019. And we have we served the authentic ramen with the choice of uh, pork broth, chicken broth, vegetable broth, and dashi broth. And dashi is basically we make with the fish flake and the chicken broth. We also have uh, other small place items like edamame, Japanese fried chicken, and Japanese dumpling called gyoza. Also have uh, like other uh, some unique like soft drinks like a uh, Japanese carbonated drink called uh, ramen, mm. and also like unsweetened uh, Japanese green tea that kind of stuff. And yeah, your food's delicious. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's several restaurants in the area run by families like Mozart's, Smith's Deli's, Dante's Pizza, to name a few. How did you decide to start your restaurants? Well, uh, ramen is something like I grew up on. That's what I miss the most when I'm in the United States. And there's nothing that I can call as like my meal from my hometown. So that's what I wanted to create. And when I visit North Market for the first time, and I feel like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Definitely a community that we kind of felt like, oh, this is a great location. We actually looked for several locations, but I really like the idea to be in a North Market. And that's that's what we decided to kind of focus on. And we gave a presentation and we provided some like sample of food. And so yeah, everything went well, except that we had a like a portable stove on the table and got kind of caught up fire uh while we're giving a presentation (laughs) we're we're pitching our ability to open a small restaurant in their space and then (laughs) someone from the board points over and like is that is that burning (laughs) oh no problem we won't serve you the the noodles with plastic melted on them (laughs) but rest assured that that doesn't happen in a commercial kitchen we have real equipment so Yeah. yeah So yeah, the yeah the presentation was really went well. Yeah. They loved it. After that, I came back to the office and they're like, "Oh, you guys did like a home run." It was a great moment that we found out. Like, I guess we got approved. And yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I mean, they were they were so excited. One of the people on the the board even walked out with a paper cup full of our dipping sauce. Yeah, for, for the karage fried chicken. He was like, "This is just so good. Can I just take this home?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so great. it was a. Uh, it's our first restaurant, so we were very. It was very nerve wracking to yeah. go in, um, and we had a lot writing on their impression. It turned out well and uh, gave us some stories to look back on and laugh. Yeah, because I had no idea that you had to audition in a sense for North Market. That's interesting. Yeah, it, the market's been around for 
like a hundred years. It's the oldest public market in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So they've been doing this forever, but this was our first restaurant. And when we started even, you hear people's stories about starting a business in the garage or something. Well, we didn't have a garage. I was dealing with health problems and we moved into my little brother's basement. Mm -hmm. So Satori was started from the basement. And then he used my little brother's garage to hand carve the sign for the building and that kind of thing. Um, and my and my brother's family was like the testers of all the recipes, the good ones that made it to the menu as well as the early failures. It was an interesting journey to get there and we really had a lot riding on it when we got um, in front of the board, but wow. it's been great. And, yeah. when we, and then when we opened, our opening day was on a Sunday in June, 2019 on ComFest weekend, so clearly we made a mistake there with planning. <laughs> the night before our opening, the transformer at the market went out, and that meant that we lost all of our prep items in the fridge. To have authentic ramen broth, you have to make it for like 12 hours. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no way to recover some of the, the types of broth that we make, so we ended up serving just the ones with shorter cook times. And the, the small team of was it five or six people stayed up all night redoing the prep that they'd already done. And we pushed back the starting time until noon. We had a line of customers around our stall that wrapped around the uh, Black Radish Creamery stall behind us. And the problem was we then ran out in an hour and a half. Wow, that's we fantastic. We sold a lot. Yes. But we ran out and some people came in and they were... They were just like, oh no, we've been circling for parking for an hour and a half. So we felt really bad, but also really relieved that we had something to sell and very excited to see that many people come out mm -hmm. um, for the opening. So how did you fare the last few years during the pandemic? Well, definitely <laughs> it was very challenging situation. We had to close down for two months. And once we are open, of course, there's no customers. But of course, you know, we had employees that we had at the time. Although we kind of worried about the financial situation, but once we had a grant from the SBA, we paid our, our employees as much as we could, even though we didn't have a work to do. So you um, got a PPP loan? Yeah, yeah, we got the PPP loan and we did to pay the employees for the two months that we were shut down. Right. We did the best that we could and our employees needed the money and um, so it kept them going and then it made things a little bit rocky until the second uh, PPP loan came through we did get both and it was I mean it was a lifesaver it was mm -hmm. you hear all kinds of reactions about that program and how there's been fraud and how people have abused the system or used it for something other than paying employees but in our case the fact that you didn't have to jump through a million hopes and verification processes before you got the money outside of the application through your bank meant that we could get the access to the money so our people could buy groceries and pay rent and not get evicted before the eviction moratoriums went in place. So it was it was extremely critical. It kept our business afloat, but it, I mean, more importantly, it kept a bunch of people fed and housed and a lot of restaurant workers work pay to, paycheck to paycheck and don't have the benefits that a lot of other places do. So mm -hmm. that enabled them to stay home at that peak when we knew nothing about what was going on and then to come back prepared to be in, you know, healthy and able to face it. 
and nobody knew how long it was gonna last. Right. You know. I mean, as soon as you know, we started talking about all oh, this gonna be over in like you know year or something, but there's always another you know waves and right. yeah, we just kind of felt like oh, this is not gonna end. It, right. <laughs> we were for Satori. We were um, honored with one of the best new restaurants uh, list for Columbus Monthly. And they had a celebratory event in early March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it was like 500 people or something came and everybody got small plates from all of the people on the list. So mm-hmm. like 15 vendors or something. And we were all packed into a hotel. And then, you know, a week later, everything was shut down. And we were like kind of watching the clock to make sure we got away from that without getting COVID. Because right. we didn't know what we were gang when we were in the room so right. I mean nobody did but it's been hard but it's I think we were in a fortunate position that we had a lot of dedicated workers that um we had lower turnover than the industry average anyway they like working with us we're pretty predictable we care about the employees we have a lot of things in place to help them learn and grow and succeed even at our small size so we had a lot of loyalty, and then when we were when we reopened after the pandemic, that initial two months, we were probably one of the strictest restaurants out there in terms of, like, your mask has to be on, it has to be over your nose, like, all of those things. And we had people who had vulnerable populations, you know, in, in their homes, like yeah. if they lived with their parent or grandparent or something. They were afraid to come back to work, but they were more comfortable coming to work for us, even in close quarters, because we had all the plexiglass and we had you know, protecting them from outside of the stall um, and definitely were enforcing a lot of things um, to make sure that the risk was as low as it was. We didn't have any cases of community spread within our staff either. At one point we gave uh, the staff a hardship bonus early on in the pandemic to say like, we don't know what you're dealing with. The whole world is falling apart. Um, Take this little bit of money and, and pay whatever expenses you have or medical things or whatever. It wasn't a big a big amount of money. But I think one thing that really shows who who the team is that we've cultivated is that multiple people messaged us and said, don't give me the bonus, give it to these other people. Wow. Like I have, you know, I, I have a spouse that has income, I don't need it. Or I live with my parents, I don't need it. Give it to someone else who has more hardship in the company. And we were just... That just felt so heartwarming, and we were so proud in a non-paternalistic way to to know that that's how they cared about each other. Right. And how many employees do you have? What is it right now? It fluctuates. There's been a lot of labor shortages and um, and stuff, but I think. Well, currently, I think about twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, including Kintsugi Sushi Bar. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have some people that work at both, but it fluctuates. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to CD 92.9 every day on my way to work. So I hear the advertisement for ECDI. That's the Economic and Community Development Institute. I had no idea you were part of this program. Well, uh, so we use their one of their uh, facilities uh, called Food Fort uh, 2.0. We make the broth and also the other ingredients there. Since our stall is really tiny, there's no room for us to do the prep during the daytime. We kind of started out and, and I was making bras at the North Market during nighttime and then just stay up all night and come back 
like take a few hours nap and just come back and and do the like regular operation. It wasn't sustainable to doing that. I did it trying to do it as long as I could, like for I don't know two months or something like that. A true entrepreneur. <laughs> so <laughs> when but, he says a few hours nap, what he means is for at least the first week or two, he was sleeping thirty minutes maximum. Wow. He didn't have time to drive home, so I put him in a hotel. I was like, "You're not coming home. You're going to this hotel." next to the market so you don't have to drive and you don't have to like you can just cut out that time yeah uh, use it for sleep if you can it was an all hands on deck that i guess we're lucky to have had such great interest from day one yeah (laughs) there was no ramp up period that's for sure it was demand all day every day until we ran out Mm -hmm. so we definitely needed um, other space ecdi had built so they have a food for it which has like kitchen space. It's often used by food trucks Mm -hmm. to help give people space to prepare and get their businesses going um, and just make it easier on on them to to have the resources they need to support the business. Dos Hermanos, which is also in North Market, started through, they had a food truck and they, they started growing really through ECDI's help until this huge family owned business that does a lot of different things. It's in stadiums, it's in both North Markets and they still have food trucks and things. They built a second food fort, so food, point, food fort 2.0 for Dos Hermanos. So they, they have the whole building and then we are renting a second kitchen um, that we share with Coco Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a chocolatier at North Market for a while and then they pulled out of the market but they were still working out of the commissary. Um, so we are sharing that space when we're cooking our broth, they can't set chocolate, so we have to change. Yeah. Like, we're heating up the room, they're trying to cool it down, so we it was a, a comedy of errors trying to figure out who should do what when. Yeah. And we're like, we'll just chop things while you do the chocolate, and then once it's in the fridge, we'll get to the broth. So, yeah, the facility has been critical to us having capacity to serve. The people on the line day-to-day don't get a break, they're just... Anytime there's a lull in the customers, they are preparing more ingredients mm-hmm. and um, cutting and cleaning and, and all of the things. So if we didn't have a second facility for that, mm-hmm. we would just... No, we wouldn't be here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We <wouldn't. laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Um, or we would have one option and that's all you got. Right. <laughs> just, right. Sorry, you're going to get the easiest option and we'd lose the authenticity and the variety. Right. Um, and we care a lot about the variety, especially um, when Sego came up with this crazy idea to open a restaurant, even though we're both from the automotive industry. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, okay, but I'm vegetarian and gluten-free. Yeah. Like, so I need to eat at this restaurant and right. I usually can't eat it at uh, ramen places. So... That was the original condition to open yeah. a restaurant. Yeah, I, I'm not going to support a restaurant I can't go to. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so he had to pull out every stop to make gluten-free vegetarian broth, which is shockingly good. A mm-hmm. lot of times it's just like you'll go somewhere and you're like, well, this tastes like just vegetable broth. Yeah. It doesn't have a lot of depth of flavor, but this is, I love it. I'm addicted to it. And then he found gluten-free noodles, tweaked the recipe a million times, and had our supplier change what they were doing repeatedly to, until we found the right, the right kind of noodle. So, yeah, so that worked out. Yeah, that's great. But it takes space and time. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the ECDI facility was great. So how do you source your ingredients? Well, uh, we have uh, several different uh, suppliers 
in in Columbus, mm-hmm. and some of players are coming from like Chicago area.、Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like、uh, the companies that handle importing some stuff from Japan,、mm-hmm. and because some of the stuff they we can't really get in here,、mm-hmm. so. We have a several from Chicago area and some player from local, so that's how we get stuff. Yeah, it's been a little trickier with the pandemic because that different times, different、mm-hmm. suppliers are just out of key ingredients that we need. So、mm-hmm. um, Sago has to be pretty resourceful to call up different places and see if they can get a hold of something that they don't usually carry, or just calling. I mean, cold calling different places sometimes to、yeah. see what we can do because it's. Even if we pay the higher prices, sometimes the items are are really hard to find. Sometimes it requires some last minute runs to Costco or Sam's Club or something to pick up something to get us through until the shipment comes. So big or small, I think all the suppliers were feeling the same pains、exactly. as the rest of the world. So, so you、yeah. mentioned you're both in the automotive industry. So I have to ask, what, where did you come from? If you want to know, if you want to know our history, that's probably a whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we are a bit weird.、Um, uh, I will try to condense it for you so you don't have a four-hour podcast. But <laughs> I'm from Cincinnati.、Mm-hmm. He's from Tokyo. He came to the states for college, and out after our first jobs after college, we met in、um, an automotive supplier to Toyota、mm-hmm. um, in northern Kentucky. I then went to Japan to work, right after we started dating. So I worked for the Toyota Group in their、um, Hino Motors, which is trucks and buses. I did hybrid truck stuff、um, internationally, and he stayed in Kentucky for the first three years of our relationship. We were in each、mm-hmm. other's hometowns, fifteen <laughs>、um, minutes from our respective fathers' workplaces, which is just weird. That is.、Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can't we, make that up. No, and you wouldn't want to. It is not the easiest path. And then he moved back to Japan because I didn't come home,、um, so I stayed for three years, I think, before he got there. And then he stayed with the same company. Finally, lived together. We got married, and then I left again. So I went to back to the states to get my MBA, and then we were going to relocate back to the states. We've always. Struggled with how do we straddle both continents, and we'd been in Japan for a while, so now we wanted to come back to the states. Sego wanted to to pivot and open his own business, and he did all kinds of like soul searching and research and thought, and decided to go to the Tokyo Sushi Academy, as you do. Yes.、Mm. Um, <laughs> so he stayed in Japan while I started grad school, did that, and then I was in Connecticut, but he was looking for anywhere that he could work that would be the best experience, and he ended up in. A Michelin-starred restaurant in New York's、uh, East Village called Kagen. Tiny restaurant, really high quality, high class, fancy food. And he learned a lot there. It was trial by fire, and he he got to hone his skills beyond just sushi. They did a lot of other things too. And so when I completed grad school, he left that company. And we decided to relocate to my little brother's basement in Columbus because I had had some health problems, and that's where we were.、Um, for we were there for two years, almost a year and a half before Satori opened. The rest is history. We're pretty supportive of the other one、exactly. pursuing their dreams. That's been good and stressful and important for us to. It, help, it definitely helps us as. Business owners and co-owners in the restaurants that、yeah. we're sort of used to this. 
work in different places, different time zones, different directions as needed. And yeah, so we just, we do our own thing and we support each other in it. Well, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you listening to Clintonville On Call. I'd like to thank Sego and Casey for sharing the story of their restaurants, Satori Ramen Bar and Kent Sugi Sushi Bar. Jamie Moriarty created the music for Clintonville On Call. If you'd like to hear more from this local artist, look him up on Spotify under the initial J and then Moriarty. Thanks again.